Welcome to episode three of the Battle of Boggle. Seven chapters down and we're on to chapter eight. So let's not dilly-dally any further, let's dive straight in. Chapter eight. Prunella Pinkerton. Pinky Pink, said Joe. Pinky Pink? Are you flipping mad? I'm not asking her to be on the team. She's a nutter, a loose cannon. She'll bite my head off, spit it out, colour my cheeks in with a pink highlighter, use it for football, then boot it in the river to be gobbled up by piranha. She's so super scary, I am not talking to her. No way, Jose. Joe was used to dealing with his older brother's outbursts. If you want to win, you'll need her. She's the only one we've got that's as ruthless as the Dismals. Sometimes you need to fight fire with fire. Leave it to me, said Joe, and don't call me Jose. Alex thought that fighting fire with fire was a bad idea, as it would just create a bigger fire and no one would win. It would just end up being a hot, fiery, burnt mess, although they might get to roast some marshmallows. This did not sound like a good plan, except for the marshmallows. Alex thought it was much better to fight fire with water, or just not start the fire in the first place. That's just reminding me of a joke, dear readers. Did you hear about the fire at the circus? It was intense. Get it? Intense? Intense? <laughs> oh, I must stop. I must stop. No, I really must stop. Otherwise, I'm going to get fired. On with the story. Prunella Pinkerton, a.k.a. Pinky Pink, was a force of nature. A year five girl with a suitcase, rucksack and handbag full of attitude. She always wore something pink and looked a million dollars except on Sundays. On Sunday she played rugby for Boggleton under 11s and looked about £3.57. She didn't much like sport, but it was an excuse to beat up boys and get covered in mud. She definitely wouldn't be afraid of the battle. Now Pinky Pink was the most independent little madam at St Cuthbert's. She had a quick intellect and an acid sharp tongue. She never took no for an answer and rarely did what she was told. She was awkward as an annoying, uncomfortable, awkward thing from Awkward City. She could be a right pain in the bum, like a chair made out of hedgehogs. She rarely got into trouble, though, because the teachers were too scared to tell her off. She'll eat you for breakfast and spit out your bones and use them for toothpicks, Alex said. We'll see, said Joe, grinning. Have you done your homework yet, boys? said Mama G from the kitchen, where she was making another batch of her special sauce. While she called it special sauce, it certainly wasn't special and wasn't that saucy. It was barely edible, but Joe and Alex did find it had certain uses, such as making homemade fireworks and feeding it to the pigeons to watch the steam come out of their ears. Holy potatoes! whispered Alex to himself. I totally forgot! No homework, no dodge battle! Clearing his throat, he let out the smallest little teeny-weeny white lie. Yes, of course, Mum, I did it yesterday! Letter to Nikolai? questioned Joe. Nikolai Atombomikov was Alex's Russian pen pal. He lived in Moscow and was the son of a famous Russian scientist. They had to write to each other once a month for homework, but Joe had taken an interest and begun writing to him too. I'll do it for a bag of Skittles. Deal or no deal, Joe said. Alex thought about it for 1.49 seconds then. Boom! Deal! That's a steal! That's the dunnest deal you ever did do, said Alex before he hesitated and stopped in his tracks. Hang on, you don't like Skittles. They're not for me, they're for Nikolai. He'll do anything for the red ones, and I mean anything. He'd probably rob a bank if you asked him to. Under his breath, Joe muttered, or maybe he might send me some glutonium-5 from his father's laboratory. Eh? What do you say? What's glutonium-5? said Alex. Oh, nothing, my elder bro. Don't you worry, simple Simon. It's just something to grease the cogs of the development of mankind. 
and the optometron hyperdrive I'm working on. Whatever. Sometimes I've really no clue what planet you're on, little brother. You're my only brother, and I wouldn't change that for anything, said Alex, shaking his head as he went to his room to get the skittles. Plop, plop, squawked Jabber. Slob, slob, Ted slobbed. Speaking of Russian pen pals, readers, did you know Moscow is the capital and most populous city of Russia, with 12.2 million residents within city limits? Fax bomb. Boom. Chapter 9. The Letter. Dear Nikolai, I do hope that you're well and you're having a lovely term at school and you're scoring lots of goals for your football team, Spartak Blutak. I have some exciting news. I'm captain of the school dodge battle team. It's basically a cross between dodgeball and a food fight. It'll be totally amazing, get super messy, and if we win, I'll probably be super famous and become a millionaire. Let me know if you have any ideas to help me win. I hope you enjoyed your tour of your dad's laboratory and got everything you wanted out of the trip. I enclose some skittles and look forward to receiving another gift from you. I really enjoyed the secret invisible ink pen you sent last time. I've been using it lots. From Alex. Now, if you had looked at the letter closely with one of those special lights that shows up invisible ink, you would have seen a mysterious sentence on the back that simply said, Send 500 millilitres more of G5 and next time you'll get a family bag of Skittles with 50% extra free. Thanks. From Joe. Chapter 10. The Mole. Yo, Daddy-o, what's the intel? said Alex. It's a strong team, all right. When I told Dimwit Dwayne that you were captain, he couldn't help but gloat and boast about how St Cuthbert's had no chance. He promised not to rub it in too much when they win, he said. OK, boys. Come close, continued Daddy-o. And girl, said Jenny. Uh, yes, sorry Jenny, I didn't see you there. Probably because you're hiding behind the curtains. Jenny finished off her mouthful of chocolate and stepped out from her hiding place, looking sheepish, which is a cross between a sheep and a fish. Anyway, boys, and Jenny. I did my best spy impression and went all cunning with my questions, and I said to the old dimhead, well, you've got your kids, fair enough, but the rest of the team won't amount to much. I was like a fisherman casting my line into the river with some tasty bait, like a sausage roll or a curly-whirly. Well, old Dimwit the greedy fish finger couldn't resist taking the bait hook, line and stinker. No good, he said. You must be joking. And what a rubbish joke too. Like that one about the duck that crossed the road. I never did get that one. It was to prove he wasn't chicken. Dismal went on. It's not just the twins you've got to worry about. They've got Batman. He'll be blocking with Gina. They've got a young speedster called Jimmy Zinger and George be chucking with Lola Lashington, who is probably the best of everyone. Your lot have got more chance of winning a punch-up of a cranky Tyrannosaurus Rex with a sore head and an anger management problem. Hmm, said Jenny. Batman, whose real name was Barry Bateman, he'll be a good blocker. He's their school goalie. He's the tallest kid at St Bertie's. And Lola lives near my mum and dad's house. She's in year four and she is totally super cool and super talented. Basically, she's Wonder Woman, only better looking and without the superhero powers. We've got our work cut out. The bigger the players, the bigger the targets, whispered Joe under his breath. We're still a blocker short, said Alex, shivering in the cold spring morning, stepping from foot to foot to keep warm whilst waiting for the bell to ring to signal the start of the school day. Watch this, Joe said, and he trotted off across the playground with his school bag swinging from shoulder to shoulder towards the bike sheds where a couple of older girls were standing, one of which was clearly identifiable as Prunella Pinkerton, with her pink hairband, pink bag and pink umbrella, looking all glamorous and intimidating. Alex and Jenny waited for Joe to be told to bog off with a kick to the bum. 
and they waited some more. And a minute more, but there was no kicking of any body parts. What were they talking about? Then just as the school bell rang and everyone began rushing to class, they just caught the faint voice of Pinky saying, Bye, Joey. And as Joe walks by, Pinky's in, he said. What? said Alex. How? said Jenny. But Joe just winked and skipped off to class. Before we move on to the next chapter, kids, I've just thought of a really funny joke. What do you call it when it rains chickens and ducks? Foul weather. Foul? Get it? Foul weather? <laughs> oh, I'm so funny. What? You didn't find it funny? Oh, you know nothing. Onwards and upwards. Chapter 11. The theme. Come in, children, come in, bums on seats, then fingers on lips, said Miss Oxbull, the headmistress, a.k.a. the Ox, by kids, parents and fellow staff members alike. The Ox was an intimidating woman and seemed to have no sense of humour whatsoever. She was average height, average weight and, well, very average in every respect, except when it came to fashion. She was in no way average when it came to dress sense. She clearly needed glasses, but stubbornly refused to get her eyesight checked. My eyesight is perfectly fine, she would say, talking to the coat stand, thinking it was Miss Lush. This may at least, in some small way, explain her quite dreadful taste in clothes. On this particular day, she was sporting a lime green jacket, an orange shirt, brown trousers and purple flip-flops. And trust me, dear reader, this was a good day. 9.30am on Tuesday morning was full school assembly and there was a murmur of excitement and anticipation ahead of the announcement of the theme for this year's dodge battle. The rumours had spread far and fast. <gasps> Rotten eggs, whispered one. All nice and cheesy. It's going to be a fruit fight, said another. Settle down, settle down, you little rotters, said the ox, looking like she really wanted to get it all over with so she could kick back in her reclining office massage chair with a fizzy orange, a sweet treat and a fat cigar. Her customary mid-morning ritual. Following the usual announcements and notices and the singing of the school song, the ox cleared her throat and invited Miss Lush onto the stage to announce this year's battle theme. I've never heard such silence. You could hear a pineapple drop. I, I, I mean a porcupine drop. Or, or is it a piñata? Miss Lush said confusingly. The ox gave Miss Lush a stare that if it could talk would have said, Get on with it, you numbskull. I've got a fizzy orange waiting and not the diet rubbish, the full sugar rush. Miss Lush gave a little cough and then said, I now have great pleasure in confirming that the theme for this year's dodge battle is super simple and will give a great opportunity for creativity. Drum roll, please. Oh, uh, we don't have any drums? What about bongos? A bassoon? Not even a toddler on a triangle? A monkey on maracas? Oh, never mind. The theme for this year's dodge battle is the letter P. For the little ones, that means everything in the battle must begin with or be associated with the letter P, like pesto, pasta and pine nuts, which is what I had for my dinner last night, and it was absolutely delicious, especially with some mozzarella cheese and cherry tomatoes. The ox deliberately cleared her throat once again, but this time louder, and Miss Lush stopped talking, giving an apologetic glance towards the headmistress as she edged off the stage. Immediately, a great cacophony of chatter broke out across the room as pupils shouted out the first ideas that came into their heads. Pineapples, potatoes, penguins, polar bears. Silence! bellowed the ox. The school hall will be open at lunchtime for the school meeting. Year six are in charge. Oh, and do try not to embarrass us like last year. And with that, she walked off the stage for a massage and a meringue. A school meeting was a rare event indeed. It rarely happened more than once a year. It was like assembly, but attendance was optional and there were no teachers. Year six were there to make sure no one got into a fight or stole the curtains or did a poo in the plant pots. 
Today's meeting would be to work out what could be used in the battle. As assembly came to an end, Alex had the feeling someone was standing over him, and when he turned around, it was Pinky Pink. He didn't know whether she was smiling or snarling. Pink, she demanded. Alex summoned up all his bravery to reply. What about it? he said. There must be Pink in the battle. Alex went to reply, but Pinky cut him off. Zibit Stum, don't say a word. This is not a democracy, it is not a debate. I want to look fabulous when we kick some Bertie's butts. It is not negotiable, no pink, no play. And without waiting for reply, off Pinky waltzed, knowing that once again she had already got her own way. Alex, still recovering from the verbal onslaught, was jolted out of this trance by a gentle tap on the shoulder. It was Jazz Gupta. Pakora, Jazz said. I donate Pakora to the food fight. Oh, hi, hi, Jazz. Uh, what, what's a kapora? Alex asked. A pakora with a P is a small, spicy vegetable snack. That's really kind of you, Jazz. If we're going to beat some Berties, I think we're going to need something a little more powerful. Ah, that I know, Alex. For these are not ordinary pakora I offer. They are my Auntie G's. Now, Auntie G is a wonderful woman with very many talents, but cooking is certainly not one of them. Indeed, I would go as far to say that she is the worst cook in the whole of India, if not the entire world. One time her onion bhaji was so bad that they melted the kitchen table and men in yellow radiation suits had to be called to make sure the house was still habitable. Auntie G's pakora are so dry and full of raw chilli powder that they will disintegrate on impact, creating a devastating chilli dust cloud around it. Eyes will water and throats will sting. It will temporarily disarm them, making them vulnerable to attack. They won't do any real harm though, will they? inquired Alex. I mean, like permanent damage, because, well, as much as I hate to say it, we do need to sort of try and not kill anyone, if at all possible. Oh, don't worry, Alex. I'll make sure Auntie G only puts in half measures. Any harm will purely be temporary and recovery will almost certainly be sure to be definite. Jazz gave a little wink, swivelled on her heels and wandered off to her friends. Chapter 12. Preparations. The children of St Cuthbert's had never been so animated as they finished off their roast pork lunch and apple crumble dessert and made their way back into the hall for the school meeting. The head full of pea ideas for the big match. Little Harry Basher from year two literally had peas on his head and pork and applesauce. He had always been a messy eater. As they all filed in, a year six boy called them all to silence then passed over to Alex. Thanks for coming everyone. Food beginning with pea. Let's hear your ideas. Shoot. Ah, said Alex. Crying out more in shock than pain. Who did that? As a football ricocheted off his face. Sorry, little man, said Pinky. But you did say shoot. I meant... Alex was cut short. I know what you meant, pork chop, smiled Pinky. You just gave me an opportunity to kick a ball at you. So I took it. Chin up. And little Alex, you'd better move faster than that on Friday or you're not going to last very long. Hmm, snarled Alex. Whatever. Any ideas, people? People begins with P, so does paint. I can dip you in paint, pink obviously, and chuck you across the ditch. That is sure to give them a fright, said Pinky, grinning and only seeming to be half-joking. Uh, serious ideas, please? Alex demanded, looking a little worried. Izzy Wiz rapidly reeled off. Peas, pears, pineapples, potatoes, parsnips, peanuts, pies, pesto pasta, prawns, pizza. Izzy paused to gasp for breath, giving others the opportunity to chip in. Pork chops, pork sausages, pork colours, pork pies, pinks and blankets, Jenny said whilst picking a bit of roast pork dinner from between her teeth. Pepperoni, pepperoni, peppercorns, pepper pig, said Big Ed excitedly. Sorry, peppercorns are a lousy idea, he added.
pigeons, penguins, potatoes, piranhas, pigs, porcupines, panthers, ponies, Pokemon, Pikachu! Said an overexcited Harry Basher who looked like he was about to explode in the excitement of the situation and then quickly realised the daftness of some of his suggestions and he sat back down looking slightly embarrassed. I mean, honestly, potatoes had already been suggested. Porridge, shouted Pinky. How are we supposed to throw porridge, Big Head queried. Water balloons, suggested Jenny, but they didn't begin with P. Hidden in the pineapple, said Joe. Cut the lid off, scoop out the pineapple, fill with porridge and replace the lid. Pink porridge, said Pinky, pulling out a small bottle of red food colouring. I never go anywhere without it, it's for pinkifying. I can live with pink porridge, Alex said. A pink porridge pineapple bomb. I like it. We won't need to direct it either. By my calculations, the porridge will explode on impact with a five-metre splatter radius, sure to take out at least one of their team, if not more, said Joe. And Pecora, said Alex. We've got Auntie G's deadly Pecora. Dear listeners, Pecora is an Indian treat. It is usually a piece of vegetable or meat covered in seasoned batter and deep fried. I've happened to taste one and it's absolutely delicious. I would thoroughly recommend it. Onwards. Chapter 13. Letter from Nikolai. Dear Alex, many, many thanks to you for your letter writing. I was very, very happiness to get the Skittle sweets. I'm having one a day to make them last a long, long time. I sucked one for 27 minutes yesterday is my personal record. I would so like a super big family pack. 50% extra free is a lot extra, almost half. It is a tremendous bargain. I can make packet last all year. Good luck for your big battle. It sounds most giant fun. In Russia... We're very good at making weapons. I have a toy potato pistol, which is much fun for shooting the postman. Maybe you have them in England too. I do hope you win. Joe should read this letter very, very closely as well. It might help with his learnings. Goodbyes for now. Nikolai. Potato pistol? Hang on, that begins with P. Could we use that? Alex asked Jenny and Joe in the treehouse as he read out the letter. Hold the phone! I've got an idea and it's a good one, Jenny exclaimed as she passed Alex her generic smartphone. She was playing Angry Birds and couldn't get the little yellow bird to smash through the wall and get the pesky green pig. Have you two still got your super soakers from last summer? Well, they're pistols, aren't they? Water pistols. We can use them and instead of water, we can squirt porridge or paint or puke or something. Pea and potato soup, like the one they make at school, said Alex. Yeah, the one that's super gross, said Joe. Exactly, said Alex. Oi, Joe, I'm not sure what Nikolai's on about here, to be honest, but I think he wants you to read the letter, said Alex. Ah, yes, I can already guess what it says. Joe immediately took out this special invisible ink reading light and scanned the letter. At the top of the back page, it simply said, Joe, 500 millilitres of G5 dispatched. Dispatched and received, you little beauty, Joe whispered under his breath, and off he went to the shed for a game of Scrabble with Mad Pete. And that, dear listeners, is where we round off another episode. I do hope you're enjoying the story so far. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in this battle. It sounds messy. Anyways, we'll crack on with that next time. Until then, see you later, alligators. <laughs>